Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. From Nola Pizza in the Nola Brewing Tap Room on Chapatula Street in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Rusciutti, Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Rusciutti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. When we talk about a business, we assume that success can be measured numerically in dollars and cents. The more revenue and the bigger the percentage of profit, the more successful the business. But we also assume that the focus of the business is the business itself. Normally, these assumptions are true, but like all assumptions, there are exceptions. Both of my lunch guests today are running businesses that are not all about me. They're for-profit businesses that are uniquely not all about their own profit. Paolo Barona is the owner of Del Alto Vaje Coffee. Paolo's coffee company has two goals. Uh, one is to provide New Orleans and the U.S. with varieties of coffee from our native Colombia that are otherwise unavailable or unaffordable, and two, to use all the profits from those sales to provide school supplies for children living on small farms in the isolated rural communities in Colombia where the coffee beans are grown. Paola, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you, Peter. Thank you for having me. Sabrina Short is founder and CEO of Nolivate Black. Now, Nolivate Black is a connection hub primarily dedicated to black people in the New Orleans tech sector. They also extend their services to indigenous people and people of color. They're a for-profit company that helps tech companies connect to talent. On the other side of the equation, they're also a talent incubator and they have a division that helps people land that first job in tech. Nolivate Black started out as an idea for a networking happy hour back in 2018 and it's since grown into an impactful part of the New Orleans tech sector. Sabrina Short, welcome out to lunch. Thank you. Paola, it sounds simple enough to say you're selling coffee and returning profits to the children of the farmers who grow the beans, but it's an extremely complex business to run. You're an importer, importing coffee beans from small farms in Colombia that you personally oversee, and in the U.S., you're roasting and packaging coffee, putting you in the food business, which is highly regulated and requires skills to navigate. And you're selling your coffee in supermarkets where getting shelf space is highly competitive and where, as a small business, you can quickly become a victim of your own success. You're under pressure to supply enough product to keep it on the shelves. For a person with no background in importing coffee production or retail, you're having an enormous amount of success. And it's not like there's a shortage of coffee in New Orleans. So what's the secret? Why is your company that you launched only in 2020 so successful so quickly? Well, um, I have done a lot of research and a lot of market investigation. And the whole idea behind the company is to be able to supply the best Colombian coffee possible. And that's also why my slogan is the coffee that makes you happy. My coffee comes from a single family owned farm. It's not a mix of different beans from different farmers in the region. That way we can guarantee that you're always gonna get the same coffee because it's gonna be from the same mountain or lot or micro lot if you wanna put it that way. 
The way we process the coffee from the collection, it's very artisanal. The machines that we use in the farm are not handmade, but obviously not high tech. So that way um, we can guarantee the same, amount, the same kind of coffee every time we bring that coffee here. Sabrina, you're obviously doing something right with Nolivate Black. Your ability to plug members of the minority community into tech jobs has gotten the attention of a range of impressive big tech companies, including Uber, Amazon, Lyft, and Google. This seems like it might require a complex set of management skills on your part. You're introducing potential employees to tech's biggest companies, but the competition to get into these workplaces is so fierce that I'd assume most people won't end up working for them. So how do you manage expectations? What do you tell a, a black person in New Orleans looking for a job in big tech that they can realistically expect? It's a really great question. First, my foundation is all in relationships. Um, without them, we, I wouldn't have the connection with the tech companies. There are people at these tech companies, right? And so my whole business model is around connection, relationships, um, reciprocal, right, partnerships. I think that managing the expectations of the individual is really about helping them to see that they're great, right? Fundamentally, people generally don't think that they're good enough for the big tech companies. So our work is all about building confidence, relationships again with each other, connections with other people in the tech space, as well as giving them a space that they can feel they can explore, be themselves in a safe environment where they're accepted and celebrated. Yeah, I would think it'd be pretty intimidating to be you know, with those big tech Silicon Valley types. What we tell people is that the big tech companies, everybody has their eye on them. That's where I want to go. Where I want to go work, but we have great tech companies here in New Orleans, right here in our city, that are looking for amazing talent uh, that are black and brown. And we have them on the show, and and that's absolutely absolutely right. Paul, when I read your your the history of your company, one of the things that I thought was hysterical is you would bring back when you came into the U.S. You would pack your clothing into a small bag and make your your um, your suitcase just all full of coffee. I would think coming from Colombia, I think that might be a we <laughs> a difficult thing to get into the airport. But <laughs> a, why? What was that part about? Is that just bringing it to relatives? I mean, I have always loved coffee. So when I go to Colombia back in many years ago, um, before I had my own coffee to roast here in New Orleans and. Uh, full supply for my personal use. <laughs> what I did was every time I flew to Colombia, in my um, carry-on backpack, I would put my clothes, and in the check-in bag, I would put, um, I think back then in the day it was like, you were allowed 50 pounds. So <laughs> you, I would put like only coffee in my um, check-in bag and bring it here for my personal consumption and also for friends and family. Because I was not able to find any good coffee at all and I have been used to Colombian coffee I have tried different kinds of coffee and it was never to my standards I mean I'm not a coffee snob but I do like a good quality product come on you're a coffee snob <laughs> <laughs> the rest of it all seemed pretty legit but the uh, Sabrina the general impression of the tech sector being firmly based in California is that as, it's about as level a playing field as you can get. The fact that Nolivate Black even exists 
says something about New Orleans, but do these same issues exist in Silicon Valley? Yes, unfortunately, with all of the DEI initiatives, they've barely been able to move the needle. We're talking about 1% of black executives um, in the tech space and 7% um, overall in tech roles. It gets a little bit bigger uh, number the farther you go down the totem pole, right? But when we talk about middle to upper management executive board, the the needle has not been moved at all. Could you go into other cities because of this? Yes, that's actually our goal is that we see Nolavade as chapters across the Gulf Coast region. Not everyone can get to New Orleans. Right. And when we initially started uh, Black Technola, it was during Essence. And it's the most expensive time to be here with hotels and food and travel. If you're an entry-level professional, that can be kind of hard to make that those numbers work for you. So we said, hey, stay where you are. We'll come to you. Paola, um, you are trying to rebrand the, uh, the company. Now, that is a big, big deal. How are you doing it? Well, I have a marketing and advertising background. That's when I went to college for and even though I designed the bag and all the pieces that go into social media, I felt like something was missing, especially from Colombia itself, besides the coffee bean from Colombia. So what I tried to integrate was the natural elements. For instance, Colombia has a lot of unique animal species. Like for instance, it has the biggest number of hummingbirds hummingbirds in the world and the other animal that I decided to integrate was the jaguar which is in one of the endangered species along with the frog which there's um, unique species also that are only found in Colombia so so is the new branding kind of like more of an environmental it's more environmental, and also uh, I included uh, a mythical creature from Colombia called Madre Monte, which is basically the protector of animals and nature. And I'm switching one of the names for one of the coffee kinds that I sell. I'm switching the name from that coffee to Madre Monte itself. Sabrina, you're really getting in some places that I think you couldn't have a few years ago, like the New Orleans uh, Entrepreneur Week. Um, how is the progress gone? I mean, 2018 uh, Essence Fest, and that's been the launching pad for so many companies and organizations, but the festival went disappeared for the year, and where'd you take it after that? And that was, you had momentum. How'd you keep it up? We went virtual. That's right. My story is that I had COVID um, before. Before it was hip? Before it was hip. Like, I didn't know what it was. I was super sick, sick for a long time. I was back and forth at doctors trying to figure out what was going on with my lungs. And I got to the point where I was like, should I or shouldn't I have Black Technola this year? And I literally willed myself. I mean, I really said, okay, you know what? I don't feel good. It's just got to happen. It's got to happen. I planned Black Technola 2020 in six weeks. We had Microsoft. We had every, I can't even name 
the companies that said, we want to be a part of this, please, please, please. We were streaming about five or 600 people at a time. We had about, we had over a thousand registrations. We had YouTube. I mean, it was insane. It was bigger than I could have imagined. I'm thinking, oh, we'll get, you know, a couple hundred people stream online and we'll have a few talks and it'll be fun. People were so hungry for connection, being isolated and being at home. This was an opportunity for them to like get reconnected, right? And it was my, I was amazed and it was my most proud moment that I was able to pull it off. Right after the 2020 conference, I literally got back in the bed. <laughs> I got back in the bed and was like, okay, that's it. <laughs> okay, I'm done, right? But um, it, the, I think the pandemic pushed all of us in a way that we couldn't have imagined. It, it challenged us to be creative, to think differently about how we did things, right? And, and really flip things upside down. And I had been trying to do like record our conference and how can we, you know, document this event and have this evergreen content year round. We could never pull it off. And here comes COVID. Well, this is our opportunity. Like we have people all over the world and we were able to record them and we still have that content online today. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Sabrina Short from Nolivate Black. They work with people in the black community to build careers in the New Orleans tech sector. And Paola Barona from Del Alte Vaje Coffee. They import and roast coffee beans and return the company's profits to the families who grew the coffee on small farms in Colombia. Paola, you're very slick, now that I know more about your marketing background in the social media side, but you're, and don't take this the wrong way, but your, your coffee the product itself, you don't have a, like a lot of uh, um, colors on the bag and things like that, you know, that would catch somebody's eye. Is that on purpose? To m- yes, that's completely on purpose. I mean, I want people to buy the coffee and pay for the coffee instead of paying for a bag. I mean, bags themselves for coffee are very expensive. And I also want to make it simple. Like if I want to get coffee, just get a coffee that is basically simple drink enjoy and don't be intimidated thinking like this bag is so colorful that this product is going to be twenty dollars or more that was completely done intention and also because the coffee that i have is very crisp and smooth in flavor and i don't have any additions to like it flavoring there's see. no flavor so i mean you're you're buying what you basically are looking at Is there a sustainable part of your business? I know everybody's talking about environmental impact and what the carbon footprint is. You bringing your coffee on the plane is pretty sustainable, right? Like, you you know, to a certain extent environmentally, right? You're bringing it yourself. But, you know, what other aspect of your business is thinking about the environment as you, you know, push your product? um, And environmentally, um, our flagship coffee, which is the honey process, Coffee. Which I had never heard of before. <laughs> okay, that kind of coffee, um, when the beans get uh, collected, instead of completely doing a process of wash and dry, actually the coffee that first time is not washed. So it leaves part of the peel on the bean itself, leaving that sticky part. 
then it's dried in um, wooden structures above the ground for 20 days or so, and it's constantly taken care of in a covered uh, hut, if you want to call it that way. And then after that, then it's passed through the mill and let dry again, and then we actually uh, come, like import it here and roast it. So basically we're using, with the honey processed coffee, it uses less water than a regular wash and dry coffee. I'm assuming that the people who are taking the beans through this process, this is something that's been passed down through generations, or is this the first time that they're making coffee? No, you have to know <laughs> what you're doing because it can get, uh, grow mold on it. Um, it has to be constantly taken care of. That's for the honey process. Then we have the pink bourbon, which is a different coffee variety, and then the Madre Monte, which is a mixture of both. Now, Sabrina, one of the things I've been, when you look at the headlines, you can't stop uh, thinking of this, is big tech has been announcing big, big layoffs. Has that hit you yet, or what, what's that gonna do? They're calling me now more than ever. <laughs> Really? <laughs> yes, because the layoffs aren't exactly the rules that keep the tech going. So I'm getting more calls than ever for engineers, data analysts, cybersecurity. Um, those roles are way in demand from big tech all the way to you know small startup companies. They need these tech roles and they need them now. What I'm also seeing is that there are more roles that don't require as much tech. Um, so they're looking for QA testers, they're looking for business analysts, they're looking for customer service uh, roles as well um, to stay connected to the customer, right, and the consumer. But yes, uh, tech isn't going anywhere. There it's is- It's not a fad. It's not a All fad. Right, um, there, in fact, there are more roles than people right now to fill those roles. So now part of your organization is getting people uh, upskilled to get them ready there. What is um, what does that involve? I mean, do they need an undergraduate degree or do they need a coding camp or what, what, what does it look like? So what I love about Tech it is there there's so many roles to meet you where you are. There are roles for two and four year educational backgrounds. There are boot camps. Uh, people who are looking for people who are coming out of these boot camps. And now there's a big trend of self-guided on, self on-demand training. So you can go to Coursera. LinkedIn is now doing online training. Uh, Louisiana State has started Tech Ready, where you can get access through the libraries to different types of tech training. So um, we don't do the upskilling, but we definitely direct people to the programs that meet them where they are and help them get to the next level. Paul, how did you get, I guess you're in the early stages of this, but how did you get shelf space? How did you get yourself into stores? Uh, first of all, the product is tough to pronounce. So. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you do it? A lot of work, a lot of work. It took me many months of knocking on many doors, of constant calls, emails, follow-ups, and just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. And eventually, the first uh, store said yes, and then the rest will follow. The rest followed, and I think the big success about the business so far has been that it's a great product. I mean, people do like it. 
The first thing um, when I sell the coffee or give it as a gift to friends and family, the first thing is so funny. Everybody grabs the bag and then squeeze it and smells it. And they're like, oh my God, this is like something that like most people don't get. You know, because you mentioned, uh, get, we talked about getting in the door, but once you've been in the door, um, after a couple of months, then it's kind of reevaluating it, right? They Did it sell? Did people like it? Uh, um, so you must have to keep an eye on those, that first period to see if it's, it's working. Yes. Um, obviously, I, I'm a one-person show, so I roast, I bag, I distribute the coffee myself, I keep inventory of every single store, I do the social media, um, the website, etc. So it has been hard, but I mean, sometimes I just want to give up. But then I just think about the children in the farmers region and every year when we bring the school supplies and the Christmas present to those children, I mean, it's just like tears just roll down my face every time I see them. Well, I think another time tears probably rolled down your face is when you started to, uh, started to need a place to roast the beans, right? I Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, unfortunately, uh, Hurricane Ida happened and hit really hard the facility. That's the one out in uh, Nor oh, in Norco. Norco. Yeah. Yes. So I was actually right before I was gonna start. Then oh well, uh, <laughs> Ida happened and there goes that facility to Cause, roast. Because that was kind of like ground zero. They really got yes whacked over there. Yeah. So that facility didn't open again. But thanks to them, they were able to connect me with someone who has been helping me this entire time to let me use their facility and roast over there. And you're both um, do-gooder for-profit kind of organizations. So, uh, Sabrina, where does your funding come from, or how does that work? <laughs> Do you, oh, they have. <laughs> yeah. oh, I tell you, but I have to kill you, right? right. Uh, <laughs> well, we have a sponsorship model. So companies, if you're out there listening, you want to know how you can help, you can sponsor events, you can sponsor uh, programming. We have accelerator programs, programming for entry-level talent. Uh, so there are ways that you can sponsor. We uh, write grants uh, because there are... There is funding out there for businesses who are doing social impact work as well. And then we have a membership model where people just want to be a part of what we're doing um, and pay a fee for that. I'm super excited about us making one year at our, um, at our co-working space called the Black Tech Lab downtown. 612 Andrew Higgins on the fourth floor. Um, so that is another way that we uh, generate revenues through our co-working space as well. Sabrina and Paola, most of us are conditioned to think of business success in terms of more and bigger. Uh, the more money a business makes, the bigger it gets, the better it is. It's easy to seem open-minded and say, your definition of success can be different. But it's very hard for anybody in business to actually break out of that bigger is better mindset. And it's even more difficult to find people who genuinely put other people's interests ahead of their own. 
you're both talented people who are devoting your talents to advancing other people's lives and careers. It has been a privilege to meet you and to hear about the great work you're doing. Thank you both so much for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you, Thank Peter. Thank you so much. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Paola Barona. She's the owner of Del Alto Vajay Coffee and Sabrina Short, founder and CEO of Nolavate Black. We've edited the show to fit into our time slot here on WWNO. You can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Paola and Sabrina's adventures in coffee and tech by listening to the Out to Lunch podcast. You can find and subscribe to the Out to Lunch podcast on your podcast app and on our website, itsneworleans.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and on our Out to Lunch social media. These photos were taken today by Jill LaFleur. You can find more of Jill's photos at lafleurphoto.com. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris, our technical producer is Eric Merle, and our researcher is Maggie Mendel. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business. New Orleans style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch was recorded live over lunch at the NOLA Brewing Tap Room, 3001 Chapatula Street, open seven days a week. NOLA Brewing Tap Room has a wide variety of craft beers and authentic hand-tossed New York-style city pizza by NOLA Pizza. More information is at nolabrewing.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base joneswalker.com and by Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath Fine Lingerie. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at mitchellforeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, to learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com.